0: 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code Baseball and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Barnes, hits, right high. hits deep. it is out of here.
1: here! comes the hook, down there, 20 strikeouts, he ties the Major League record! Breeze hits it in the air to center, we will see you tomorrow!
2: Slam the panic button, or just gently tap the panic button on the Just Baseball show presented by BetMGM. Sign up using the promo code Just Baseball Two. Bet with the king of sportsbooks, Jack Peter. For Friday, April seventh, we're gonna have JustBaseball.com managing editor Ryan Finkelstein on to uh, grill the living shit out of him on the New York Mets. But first, the panic button on everybody else. We were very positive with Armladen yesterday. Today, we get to do our favorite thing, which is be really negative.
0: Maybe your favorite thing. (laughs) I like being both positive. Yeah, it's not our favorite thing, but there was a lot of positives throughout the opening week of Major League Baseball. But there are some really, really good teams that are off to really, really slow starts. And it'd be dumb to press the panic button on any singular team at this point in the season. But the conversation today will surround about some of the problems early on and whether we think they can be fixed with ease or whether those problems could continue.
2: Right. And we're not going to be talking about Colorado's off to a two and four start or Kansas City who's off to a one and five start because like we were expecting those teams to be bottom dwellers. We're going to talk about the teams that we were thinking could contend for division titles that are not doing so whatsoever. And we're going to save the Mets conversation for the back 20, 30 minutes because a lot of it is in regards to Francisco Alvarez coming up maybe for good with Omar Narvaez out for two months now. So he'll be up for the season or for the uh, home opener today. Um, But we're going to talk Cardinals, Phillies, Red Sox, and Mariners off the top. Let's start with the Cardinals here because they just got swept by Atlanta at home. Atlanta looks excellent. However, the Cardinals are in a bit of disarray right now. They've got a negative three run differential. So you know what? Like, the record isn't as bad as the run differential shows. However, it feels like they're not gelling like the typical Cardinal team that we're seeing. And this is almost like in spite of every positive effort that Jordan Walker is making,
0: who's off to an excellent start in his major league career. Yeah, Taylor Motter leading this team in OPS right now at <laughs> 1,500. Uh, he only has two at-bats though, and he has one hit. But it was a double, and it was he smacked it. Um. Yeah, the offense isn't really to blame. I mean, you can look at Nolan Arenado and his 679 OPS, but the guy's still hitting 300. He's not hitting for power yet. And it's very early. Tommy Edmonds, same thing, getting on base. Just the OPS is not there. It hasn't been the offense. Like the offense is not the problem. Sometimes it doesn't show up against a guy like Dylan Dodd and you throw that out the window and say, that's baseball. That's over 162 game schedule. My biggest concern is Miles Michaelis, who looks like he's throwing batting practice right now. The command isn't there. It looks like everything is down the middle and just nothing looks good. Like I I haven't watched a Miles Michaelis start where I'm like, oh, that was even a good batter. Like that was two good pitches in a row. And the reason I bring him up is because he has been the consistent. Right, Adam Wainwright goes on the IL. Even last year, like you can always rely on Miles Michaelis giving you a quality start. That has been the story now for a while. And we were concerned about three, four, five in this rotation. But if Miles Michaelis, the the you know, the the consistency isn't there for that team, that's worrisome because we knew that the bottom of the rotation would have its issues. But if Michaelis isn't performing, And if Wainwright comes back and is not performing, then it's like your offense has to score six to seven runs to stay in the game. And we saw what happened against the Braves. They just piled on too quickly, and then the game was over if the offense didn't show up that day. So my biggest concern for the Cardinals, I'm not pressing the panic button. They're still very good. They might have the best offense in baseball. But Michaelis is someone who I'm watching thinking to myself, ugh, that is a bad start
2: everybody else kind of off of that and flaherty is the one starter who has been quote unquote good and that was a really loaded conversation that you know we've had a couple times on this show this week now but you know flaherty five innings no hits he he did walk seven but you look at every other guy that has made a start steven matz five and a third innings 10 hits against him michaelis nine and a third 19 hits opponents hitting 417 against mats 413 against michaelis then you go to Jamont, opponents are hitting 300, five innings and six hits against him. And then you go to Jake Woodford, four and a third, seven hits. So it's not that these guys aren't finding the strike zone. Their one, quote unquote, good start through the rotation, he wasn't finding the strike zone. Everybody else just kind of stinks within the strike zone
0: right now, which is nerve wracking. Watching Michaelis throw it down the middle at 92, I was thinking Neuracking. like, if you gave me a hundred times, hundred ABs against Michaelis right now, I'm like, I can get a hit, a hit. Yeah. But if I can get a hit
2: off you right now, a major leaguer
0: can get 40 in a hundred. Yeah. And they're, they're getting 41.3 hits technically by the batting average. Yes. So uh, that was the concern moving in. That's why it's like, don't press the panic button on the Cardinals, but it's important to talk about what worried us at the beginning of the season and has already started worse than I think we even imagined. Right? Like we didn't think they'd be this bad. I thought Monty would be solid. It's still early. I know Cardinals fans. I know. But when all of them have been bad, all of them, it's, it's just, it's every
2: Cardinals fans, worst nightmare coming to life. First turn through the rotation, which is brutal. You know what I mean? It's, everything else looks good and then you've got this and I think that's what is contributing to Ali Marmol's short fuse and we talked about this briefly on yesterday's show but you know the the rift between Ali Marmol and Tyler O'Neill is so juvenile from the managerial perspective um like again we we talked about this so we're not going to go too deep into it but I thought Tyler O'Neill was the one that handled that like a pro and the manager wasn't. So that tells me that the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals is incredibly frustrated right now. And he's willing to air out things about one of his best players to the media. And that's not something that a guy does when everything is sunshine
0: and rainbows. Imagine you're Ollie Marmol and you have to mix and match a lineup with 12 guys who could be starting right now. And you look at your starting pitcher and be like, guys, we got to hit today. And he's probably he probably puts his head down on the pillow at night and says, man, it'd be really cool if we traded for a pitcher. Now, that's all conjecture. He might not even be thinking about that. But I would if I was the manager of the Cardinals watching yeah. this team, knowing that my offense is so legit, seeing another hitter take a leap in a Jordan Walker, seeing Mason win, have a good start to his minor league you know, season so far, super mm-hmm. early. But he is a very good prospect, again, offensively. Like, what's stopping them from bringing up Libby right now?
2: Mm, I don't know. I guess they want to see him do it again. Again, he had a great start on minor league opening night last Friday. Is he, would he be worse than some of these guys? No, I don't think so. But I mean, yes, like, yes, last year. Yes, but I don't think so. We've seen more
0: improvements. Like, we've seen one start.
2: You know what I mean? Like, maybe they need to see two or three to see if this actually sticks.
0: You're right. They should see if Jake Woodford will stick. Like, what what are we doing here? (laughs) Right? Well, like, what are we doing here? I was speaking more to Libby. Like, I think they should see, they should give
2: Libby one or two more starts in AAA to see if the stuff's actually real. Like, he was throwing 98. When he's 94, 95, let
0: him throw those bullets in the bigs. Like, if he's got it right now, use it. Like you could get a win if he's throwing ninety eight with that curveball. That's elite. That plays right now. Why yeah. not put him in the rotation right now? If like, what if those bullets start to disappear? Right. At least you got a win out of him. Like right. in the early goings when he throws seven shutout because ninety eight with a curveball is awesome. And then let's say he does three minor league starts, Jack, and then he's back down to ninety four, ninety five, and he just. Through, like, a multiple no hitter in the minor leagues. Like, what are we doing? He's ready. You brought him up last year. It's not like this is a prospect who's 20. It's not like an Andrew Painter where he hasn't made his big league debut yet. You brought him up last year with less bullets. Why Fair. not? This?
2: Fair. I, I guess I'm thinking about him like a top prospect when I shouldn't be thinking about him
0: like a top prospect because he's not. Played in Major League Baseball last year.
2: Yeah. And he wasn't good. And he wasn't good last year. Like, he lost any of that prospect pedigree. So I got, I'm shrugging. I'm audibly shrugging. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. You're
0: right. Is that what you needed to hear? No, you're not wrong. You didn't say <laughs> no. anything wrong. Yeah, no. no I, I I, we're, we're trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. Why yes. John Mosellock is doing what he's doing and I don't understand it. Yeah. And maybe and I, I'm wrong. Maybe there's something that they know that I don't, I just don't understand it. So I'm sitting no. here like an idiot, not having an explanation for the beautiful listeners to the Just Baseball show.
2: I think I'm coming around to your point though, especially because Libby sucked last year. Like I almost thought that the the jury, the verdict was in and the verdict was like, the jury's out on Libby. You know what I mean? Like I thought, hey, we've made a decision. We're pretty out on him being a part of this rotation. Obviously, when he looks that good last week, then we're looking at him in a different light. He starts one of the games of the doubleheader tonight. We're recording on Thursday afternoon, so he'll have started in AAA last night. But if he was good again, I think I'm with you, man. Like, There's no point in letting him wilt away in Memphis when he could be spelling Jake Woodford. Or you give Michaelis a a time through the rotation just to clear your head and be like, dude. Figure this shit out right now.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's almost like John Mosello is that guy in your fantasy baseball league who you call and say, hey, I want to make a trade. And he's like, well, all my players are better than yours. And you look at his roster and you're like, yeah, they're oh, good, wow. but we can make a deal, right? Yeah. And they're just, then maybe they agree to one and then they sleep. They're say, let me sleep on it. Then right. they sleep yeah. on it. It's like, I just can't give this guy up. He's too like much of a pussy for a lack of a better word. <laughs> like, Like, dude, be aggressive. You're the Cardinals. The window is open. Let's go. Right, you're saying this is the last year. Of Wainwright, Michaelis is getting older. What are you going to do? Like, you got to go. This is it. The Brewers are supposed to be rebuilding, and they're kicking the shit out of you.
2: Yeah, you're saying that Moseylock needs a little bit more AJ Preller in him, and Preller needs a little bit more Moseylock in him. Exactly. Like they should
0: bond. Yeah, they should they
2: create should a this, mega all the people
0: on YouTube. Perfect cohesion. That would be great. Cohesion. That's what cohesion. I'm saying.
2: All right, let, let's move to the Phillies here, who are 1-5 in five with a minus 24 run differential, which is the worst in the National League, and guess what? In all of baseball. Rome's kind of falling at Philadelphia right now, man. It, it feels weird off the top. Now, what I will say is something incredibly encouraging was I was watching Phillies, Yankees, Nola, and Cole, and in the third or fourth inning, they showed video that morning Of Bryce Harper pumping balls out of Yankee Stadium, taking batting practice. So it looks like he could be a month away or so, maybe, I don't know, four to six weeks based on like some of that BP view, which would be insane. He beats that look, he beats that estimated timeline by, you know, six weeks to two months. But even when Harper comes back, I don't know, like, how confident are you with this depleted team right now? You're dealing with no Hoskins, no Harper. Uh, Nola looked better in his second start than he did his first. We'll see what Wheeler looks like
0: again, but it's just kind of been a first turn through the rotation from hell. Yeah, like, the Phillies are way different from the Cardinals because I didn't see, like, a big weakness, and it's like, oh, that huge weakness is getting exposed right now. Like, we have to make changes. As simple as it sounds, the Phillies just aren't playing that well right now. Right? Like Bryson Stott is off to an amazing start. Got an OPS over 1,000. We predicted that he was kind of going to be that breakout player at second base. He's doing really well right now. Yeah, It's not like Trey Turner came over and it's like, oh, man. You know, he's slumping in his new dreads, right? Whoa. No, he looks great. Yeah. Tosh has a couple of bombs. You know, like, they're just not hitting with runners in scoring position. They're getting kind of unlucky. They're still hitting the ball decently hard. You know, Aaron Nola lost to a really good Yankees team, but still pitched pretty well. I'm excited to see Wheeler's second turn through the rotation. They're without Ranger. They're without Painter. Towan Walker in his first start in the Phillies uniform didn't pitch great right after Sunday Night Baseball. They got screwed against the Rangers on Sunday Night Baseball. I just, like, I don't really have any concerns, but it's funny. They're doing worse than the Cardinals. So as simple as it sounds, they're just playing bad baseball, and I'm not worried about them, I guess.
2: You know who I'm Maybe really, you are. I'm not, because like Schwarber's hitting a buck 50 through his first 26 ABs, but he's got a couple of bombs, like you mentioned. Yeah, That's going to get up to the low 200s, and that'll yeah. be bad. The one that I'm like, genuinely, are we done with him, is Nick Castellanos. Six games, 22 ABs. He's got 12 punch-outs, no homers. He's got a sub-600 OPS. Castellanos, I mean, after a shit year last year, I'm just worried that the ship is sailing on him when I don't want it to. Because when Castellanos is good, that's a whole nother level of the Philadelphia Phillies that we haven't seen. And he's really fun when he's really good. He's just
0: not fun at all right now. Yeah, those concerns have to be there. Because it's not like he can hedge with great defense, right? He's a hole in right field. Yeah, yeah, he's a hole in right field. Like right now, Nick Castellanos has a .1 war, even though he has a couple of RBIs. You know, his three walks, but he's striking out a bunch. Like, he's not giving you any value defensively. So it's not like you have to keep his bat in the lineup because he rakes and he's bad defensively. Like, he's not hitting and he's not playing good defense in right field. But the Phillies don't really have any other options right now, especially without Bryce Harper. Yeah, And they may not because we don't know how Harper's going to be in the field, you know, dealing with his specific injuries. They're just... And I understand, like, if I'm going to slightly say I'm worried about Miles Michaelis, you have to continue to say you're worried about Nick Castellanos. Like, one is similar to the other, where we were worried about him going into the year, and now he's proving us right, per se, even though it's so early. It's just so early. Like, we podcast every day. We want to talk about these teams. We want to talk about the shortfalls. But, like, I just need to see more from Castellanos. Like, it's been so early. It's not like he's having garbage ABs. Like, he's not having good ABs, but it's not like he's such a hole where it's, like, embarrassing. He still hits some balls hard. I just need more. I just need more time. But it is, like I think you said, start watching this because it's 162 games plus. Right. It's not he had a great season last year. Starts off slow and we're like, oh, what's wrong? This has been happening. We predicted it coming out of Great American because he's a merchant. (laughs) So let's see, right? It's something to watch. It's continuing, and it better not continue because if it does, the Phillies have a real problem.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, that would just be a massive spot that you're forfeiting in the five or six hole in their lineup. Level of concern regarding Aaron Nola, who who was thrust into an ace off on Wednesday. It was cold. He goes six, allows seven hits and three earned against the Yankees. The Yankees offense is, is doing pretty well right now, I'd say. Um, but Cole is like untouchable right now. So it felt like they were going to lose that game. Nola's got a seven and a half ERA through his first two starts. Are you at all concerned, or is this just a, hey, it's April 6th, Jack,
0: shut the hell up? It's April 6th. Yeah. I'm not worried about him at all. I thought he pitched pretty well against Yankees. Some unfortunate batted ball luck. Um yeah, the Yankees are playing really well right now, too. Like, Aaron Judge is still, you know, carrying over his success from last year. Right. Gleyber Torres is playing with his hair on fire. Anthony Rizzo right. without the shift. Like, the Yankees are playing really, really good baseball right now. And on the road, in cold weather, he ran into a hot Yankees team. Like, that just happens. Like, every game has its own context. And I thought Aaron Nola pitched reasonably well. Did he pitch really well? No, of course not. Right, You're an ace. You give up seven hits in a game. That's a bad start. When we hold you to an ace standard, you give up seven hits in any start. That's a bad start for an ace. But at the same time, it's April 6th. He has such a long track record of incredible success. I think he's going to be totally fine.
2: Yeah, fair. The Boston Red Sox, they're not going to be totally fine. They just got swept by the Pirates at Fenway. They are now losing 3-2 in the fifth at Comerica Park in the Tigers' home opener. Chris Sale has allowed three runs through four innings. He started his outing with eight straight balls. This team lacks, I don't want to say fire, but like they lack any sort of, I'm
0: that MF, I'm going to go win us a ball game guy, which is just terrifying. It does feel flat. And this could, you know, um, blow up in my face. I do have the Tigers money line today and (laughs) I have the under. And I just watched this past series with the Red Sox and Pirates and they looked as flat as humanly possible. They go from, Holy moly, this offense is rolling against the Orioles with wind blowing out. Then the weather wasn't on their side and they're getting shut out like Rowancy Gutierrez and Mitch Keller. Good pitchers, not aces, but they look like Nola and Wheeler. Yeah, they look like Nolan Wheeler, 12 and two thirds. One earned run, right? That's unacceptable in my eyes, like. That is unacceptable. If you want to be a team over 500 now, they could write the ship, of course, but Yoshida is a guy who's really slowed down, right? 600 OPS. Yeah. You can't expect Adam Duvall to put up like hit 400 all year. No, and like Castle's- Devers hit a home run in this game, but like they just look really flat and there's no unit on the field where I say, oh, wow, they're so good defensively. Not really. Right. Oh, wow. They're so good offensively. They have a good offense oh, look at the starting pitching. It doesn't look good, even though Kluber gave them a good outing against a, with all due respect, poverty offense in the Pirates. The bullpen is, yeah, like John Schreiber came in, fine, gave up a run. Like, there's just not a lot to love with the Red Sox right now. And then it, it looks even worse when they look flat, like you're saying. Because I thought that was, you said it perfectly, there's no energy. Like, it just there's feels not- like they're, it feels like they're going to their nine to five and just clocking in, clocking out. It doesn't look like they're having any fun, right? You lose Bogarts, you lose JD, and you lose kind of that
2: edge a little bit. Yeah, and like Devers is hitting three ten with a nine twenty OPS right now through seven games. Like that feels pretty awesome. um, He's awesome. He's great. But I'm worried that he is to the Red Sox what like we've talked about Luis Arise being to the Marlins where he's great. Everybody else blows. Tristan Casas is hitting a buck 43 in seven games. You know what I mean? Like, what if it's Devers and nobody else? That's my concern. I think Yoshida is going to flirt with 300. I think he's a really good hitter. I think Casas is going to get a lot, a lot better when it's not cold as shit outside. But Devers has adjusted because he's a good hitter. Show me that you are a good hitter, Tristan Casas. Show me that you're a good hitter, Masataki Yoshida. Please, somebody do it. And then the starting rotation. I mean, Cutter Crawford sucked. Chris Sale has sucked. Corey Kluber has been a bore
0: to watch. There's, there's <laughs> I love nothing. It. Corey Kluber, you're... Corey Kluber, like threw it a good start. And you're just like, it was so boring. It's boring, dude. Is it not? No, you're completely spot on. That's why it's funny. You know, there's truth in comedy. It's, it's, it's right. It was '88 and to '90, and it was just like, yeah, he got out, but it wasn't impressive. Like, against the Pirates at home, that wasn't impressive.
2: That's the thing, man. This is the first Boston Red Sox team in a decade that we're saying, yeah, aside from Devers, there just really isn't anything impressive on this team right now.
0: Because the Red Sox are built on that FU attitude, the edge. Like, they just come in and they think they can beat anybody. And where is it? I agree.
1: It's swept by the
0: Pirates. Shape up. And we're yelling at their fans right now. Sorry. Like, in case Adam Duvall is a beautiful listener of the Just Baseball show, show up. Actually, Adam Duvall is a yeah. example because yeah. he's, he's been the, the only one good one. But Kike, show up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some of these guys, like, you need more. Justin Turner, show up. Guys like that. But the, the Red Sox, like, I still think they're a 77-win team. Right. They get it's good starts. Been- Sometimes the offense goes crazy. I still think they're a 77 win team. Do you so think we'll see? Fourth or fifth? Fifth. I think the Orioles are good. And it's not because I think the Red Sox are so bad that I think they finished last. I'm just high on the Orioles. I like their offense a lot. And I still think that they're a good team. And I was impressed with G Rod, which is huge for them. Like yeah. the Red Sox don't have a G Rod. No. They have Brian Bayo, who's not up yet. Like, they don't have that. Like, they have Whitlock, I guess, coming back, but he doesn't have the upside that G-Rod does. Like, Cole Irvin would be the ace on this Red Sox team right now. You could say Chris Sale, and yeah, he started with eight balls. Then he struck out the next three guys. Then he gave up a home run to Jake Rogers. Shout out Jake Rogers. Sale's
2: tough, man sale is such a tough nut to crack dude he's throwing
0: 92 he's throwing 92 so good so i love chris sale i think he's such a dog i love his mentality and that's the edge right he's not pitching with that i'm gonna blow it by you and you can't do shit about it but my thing is maybe he just physically can't anymore which sucks that would suck if that's the case but he was up to 95 96 in his first start and then now it's 92 like know. no way he just got so old the past week. Again, we're talking about like Florida boys and and
2: Kike is Puerto Rican. Like all these guys not stepping up, but it's like it's cold as shit outside.
0: Like, it is I, cold as shit. Like that's so, the only reason Spencer Torcason was bad last year because it was cold and he's used to playing in Arizona. Exactly, that was the <laughs> only reason. Last only year reason. We-
2: Right. Last team that we got to talk about before we get to Ryan Finkelstein and the Mets is Seattle. Seattle is two and five right now, and they have been handed two very difficult series to open up their season. Granted, both of which were at home. They hosted Cleveland for a weekend set, and then they hosted the Angels. Cleveland's a good team. The Angels have looked like a good team against Seattle so far, man. I know Tani threw well yesterday. Otani's great, dude. Ohtani, like, indisputably, the best player on earth right now. Oh, I
0: but mean, he's just, he's, I, I want him to go to New York selfishly. Like, I kind of want him to go to the Mets or the Yankees just so I can watch the rest of his career in person. That's it. Like, I just want to be able to go to the ballpark and be like, I get to watch Shohei Otani today. The yeah. greatest player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. It's, yeah. he's such a, he's, he's a rocket ship. He's not from this planet.
2: He is such a treat. You're right. Um, They've been dealt a lot of tough losses. They did get a win 11-2 over l a on Tuesday, but on Monday night, you know, George Kirby goes four and a third and allows nine hits and four earned. So there have just been some some speed bumps for Seattle at two and five, to be quite honest, I'm not concerned with them at all. So all the negative energy that I just had regards to the Red Sox, I don't have much negative energy whatsoever when it comes
0: to the the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, the Mariners are experiencing the waves of Teoscar Hernandez, right? You start to start off really slow. Blue Jays fans know good and well the ebbs and flows of Teoscar. When Teoscar is hot, sometimes I say he's the best hitter on planet Earth. He is amazing. He can go stretches where he hits 500 with, with like a home run every day. It's unbelievable. Mariners fans, you're going to become accustomed to the Teoscar Hernandez wave. Just watch. Right now, he's starting off slow wait till that man gets hot. You can't get him out right yeah. now. He's starting off slow, but he's already starting to tick up. Right. I think he started zero for 10 and now he's already got a, a seven, 18 OPS. So he's starting to heat up a little bit, you know, JP Crawford is, you know, walking, but not enough. I guess the one concern I have um, with the Mariners, because their pitchers had some bad starts. Like George Kirby's not going to look like that again. No. Are we sure. Cal Raleigh is a, is a stud offensively. Like, is he a guy who had just a great year last year? Like, Mike Zunino has put up years where he had 40 bombs and then hits 180. Like, Cal Raleigh doesn't have a ton of prospect pedigree. And he's off to a slow start, so I'm not even saying that what I'm saying is true. It's just something a guy had a really good year, kind of came out of nowhere, and then starting off slow. Not so- saying anything, just something to watch. Is he the guy, is he the big dumper? that we thought he was.
2: Yeah. So I'll be on record saying that I am a big Cal Raleigh guy. I I think that he is a very talented hitter. I think that he is a good defender. Um, And I think that he has insane pop. We just have yet to see the pop to the first seven. But I mean, we are talking about a guy that is hitting what, like 270 in the early goings. I want to say he's played six or seven games and he's hitting 270, 280. Yeah. 273 for six games. Yeah. So, He's got six hits, three of which doubles. He's driven in five. So he's rocking a 682 OPS right now. I'm not worried about Cal Raleigh. The two that I am a little worried about, Colton Wong has looked like ass. He's one for 16 to open his season. And then Kelnick, man, he's three for 15 with seven punch outs. What is Kelnick? What
0: are you? Yeah, because it's not like he looks great defensively either.
2: No, it's like, give me a clue into who you're going to be as a player. Because, you know, we were talking about this guy as a future all-star. And we're talking about this guy that doesn't even look like he's major league caliber. And then he goes back down and then he has an awesome spring. And it's like, okay, yes, if Kelnick is good, then this Mariners team is great. And Kelnick, honestly, I would have more closure if he and Colton Wong flipped lines and Kelnick was one for 16. Because I'd be like, yep, that's Kelnick. He's just not going to be good. At the major league level in the regular season, he's he's an excellent AAA player, but he is a tweener.
1: Hmm. I just
2: I can't find resolution about him. And and the thing that kills me the most about him is, yes, he's got some juice, but this guy with that build, with that athletic prowess, should not be striking out as often as he does. Yeah. And here we are looking at Kelnick, you know, with seven Ks and sixteen plate appearances, and we're just saying, oh. Same old, same old. So if there's anybody to have frustration with, I'd say give Colton Wong a couple more games, see if he has a three for four day because that elevates him to 200. But but Kelnick would certainly be the source of my frustration there. Absolutely. The
0: Mariners are kind of like the Phillies to me where I think to myself, they're just not playing really good baseball right now. You know, I'm not really that worried. Like Luis Castillo. He looks amazing. He looks amazing. So... But, yeah, just going back to the Mariners thing, I think it's tough um, because you watch as a Mariners fan, I am been on the bandwagon of this team is going to win the World Series, and they're just not clicking right now. But my main takeaway from the Mariners is of all the contenders that started off poorly, I'm the least concerned with
2: them. Yes, same. I, I think in terms of most concerned to least concerned, at least concerned to most concerned, Mariners, I'm the least concerned then it's St. Louis, then it's Philly, and then we never call the Red Sox like contenders, but the Red Sox, I'm the most concerned that this is valid. This
0: is what this season may look like. I think for me is I put I'm not concerned with the Mariners, and I put the Phillies and Cardinals in the I'm not really concerned, but but there are things that I'm watching, and then the Red Sox, I just am concerned.
2: Yeah, fair. And you get our answer now with Ryan Finkelstein and the Mets. Managing editor Ryan Finkelstein, also the host of Locked On Mets, is wearing his LFGM shirt. He's got his Binghamton Rumble Pony's hat. He's got his Mets flag in the background. So think, on a scale of one to Rome has fallen, how fallen is Rome in regards to the New York Mets?
1: It's we're all good, man. It's sunshine and rainbows. Alvarez is up. Come on. I don't even remember what happened the last three days.
0: No, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about a lot of the young prospects, because as a team that's really in a rebuild right Mm. now and more looking forward to (laughs) next year, taking it slow this year, like we all knew that it wasn't this year, probably not next either. I'm really excited to talk about the double A team, maybe the high A team, international prospects that we're looking at. So I'm excited for the rebuild, and I'm sure you are, too.
1: That's why I got my Rumble Ponies hat on. I mean, it's all about the double A, you know, a lot lot of talent down there because the MLB club didn't look too talented in Milwaukee. I, I admit it was it was a rough series. I should have
2: included that like the sun emoji in my text to Fink this morning asking him to hop on the just baseball show because he knew damn well that we were just gonna be dicks to him. I totally I, know that he What's knew funny
1: that. is I was like I, I think I said I guessed he I was like, I guess I'll come on. I was like, I really don't even want this appearance on the just baseball show. And then like the Alvarez news just gave me an olive branch, I'm like, all right, I can I can go on with a smile because at least there's something I'm excited about.
2: Let's get the negative shit
0: out of the way first
1: yeah, and then well, we can sure. get to
2: Alvarez. You cool yeah, with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah.
0: Can I talk about the just the scope of the NL East fans right now? Phillies fans are on fire. Yeah. Braves fans are the most confident fan base alive. Marlins fans are more depressed than maybe any fan base in Major League Baseball after what happened to Jazz and their slow start to the season. And Nationals fans, I think, have already given up. And then there's this Mets fan base. This division right now, the National League East, Inflamed. the fans are the funniest group of people on the earth right now.
1: Dude, it's another year. It's every year. Every year we get so hyped that the NL East is going to rival the AL East this year. Everything's going to be great. And then, you know, right out of the gates, two teams are going to fall on their face. And the Braves are always going to still be good. That's that's typically how it goes. This
2: Milwaukee series, coupled with Atlanta sweeping the Cardinals in St. Louis, like, I mean, this Milwaukee series would not sting the way it did if Atlanta didn't sweep the Cardinals here. Like, let's be frank there, because... Obviously, you're measuring against the Atlanta Braves. They're going to do that all year long. And both sides are dealing with, you know, injuries aplenty right now. And and you can see it in the starting rotation, right? Kyle Wright, his velo is very down in Gwinnett two nights ago. So Wright might not even be ready. We know Freed's missing a start or two. Schuster looked like ass. But you've got Verlander on the IL. and, And you've got guys that are getting beaten to a pulp by the Milwaukee Brewers. And we talked about the Brewers on yesterday's show. This is one of the most exciting offenses in baseball through the first week of the season. But I mean, give me like your level of concern when it comes to the pitching staff right now. I mean, no Diaz on the back end, but in the rotation as well on a scale of nine to 10,
1: nine to nine to 10. That's my scale. Oof, tough. nine and a half. Uh, overall, I think that I'm not too concerned because Max Scherzer. I don't think that this is going to be a, a complete regression, where because he turned 38 or whatever is, he's just going to fall off a cliff. I, I do think the fact that he's given up three home runs or four home runs in the first two starts is a little bit eye popping. Not five. Uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe he's not going to pitch to a low two ERA this year, but I think he'll be fine. Kodai Senga looked awesome, so I'm still hanging on to every one of those starts right now. But look, this is a staff that you know lost Quintana in spring. Verlander gets hurt on opening day. You know that's when we find out the news, and you know it's it's a little bit of uh, you know trying to scramble for answers. And the bullpen got taxed really early, and so even there, like they were so thin yesterday. Uh, but I I'm not going to overreact to one week of baseball. I'm just not. Uh, o- overall, I still think that they're throwing out a quality starter pretty much every fifth day. The only guy that I'm actually concerned about of, is he going to stick in the rotation this year is Carlos Carrasco. Th- yeah. That's the only guy that I look at and say, you know, there's no chance. McGill is already a fill in. Um, when Verlander comes back, he gets bumped. And if Carrasco continues to struggle, McGill's a guy that can grab that spot. So I-, I still think they're okay, but I understand why people are freaking out.
0: Yeah, I want to apologize to you and to Mets fans everywhere, because I want to remove some karma from myself. Opening day, because I I do like the Mets. Like, I went to City Field probably 20 times last year. I love going to Mets games. I love watching them do well. I just like New York sports. Like, I'm not one of those guys where I love the Yankees, hate the Mets. Like, I want both teams to go well. My dream is to have the Mets face the Yankees in the World Series and be able to go to all seven games. So I'm always rooting for the Mets, but at the same time, I do find it funny when bad things happen to the Mets because you see the outcry from the fans and it's just the classic, they're the Mets. Yeah. So what I want to remove, karma, because, right, I'm a betting man. I want all the good karma possible. I did laugh when Justin Verlander started the year on the IL with an armpit injury. I did laugh, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, but I did laugh. So moving on from that, are we good? Is karma removed or am I still screwed? I don't know, man. You know that... (laughs) Have you ever seen This Is... Ah, you know what?
2: Yes, you did. Have you ever seen This Is The End, Fink?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so like Jay Baruchel, Seth Rogen, James Franco, it's its the apocalypse, right? And everybody that's good gets sucked up into heaven, and all the pieces of shit like stay down, right? Yeah. And they start saying really nice things about each other, and they're like, why are we not getting sucked into heaven yet? And it's only when like they actually sacrifice themselves. That's what Peter do... just
1: did there is what you're saying? That's
2: what he just did. Like he just <laughs> said something nice thinking he'll get sucked up into heaven and karma's good, but still
0: like absolutely not. You have He's to give me a point. You have to give me a break. It was an armpit injury. Yeah. It's like he like farted on himself and like tore a tailbone. Even though it's a bone, you can't tear a bone. But it's like an armpit injury, really? Yeah.
1: Not only that, the injury had major in it. So like how many Mets fans like had a heart attack before they read the full (laughs) tweet? It was like major terrorists or whatever it was. And it was like it sounded horrible. And it's like day to day.
0: Yeah. Brutal. So My next question. Who are you more pissed at? And I'm going to go through all the guys who currently have a negative war. Hmm. And there's some good players. First, I'm going to go with Tomas Nido because Omar Nervais is out eight to nine weeks. Now he's the starter, but we'll talk about Francisco Alvarez later. He's rocking a negative 0. 0.3 F 4 He's slashing 0 0 0, 0, 0, 000, 000, 000 through nine plate appearances. So he's won. Jeff McNeil. Has a 562 OPS, negative one or negative 0.1 war, excuse me. We have Mark Canna, negative point war hitting 160. And we have Eduardo Escobar hitting 100, slugging 100 at negative 0.4 war. Who's pissing you off the most?
1: Eduardo Escobar, without a doubt. I, a I wanted doubt, to hear of it. Course. <laughs> because I mean, I wanted Brett Beatty, you know, I wanted Brett Beatty to start the season. Now he's dealing with the little thumb thing anyway, but. Yeah, Eduardo Escobar, his at-bats, particularly against righties, which is the, the side he struggles with with his left-handed swing, have just been awful. So bad. He's swinging a woofle ball bat out there. Just does not look good. So Escobar, probably the top of that list. Like, Nito, no one expects him to hit, so that's not a big deal. McNeil, I think everyone thinks he's going to break out of it. Cana, I feel like, you know, his at-bats haven't been horrible. He just hasn't really... Had a lot of luck so far. So it's Escobar is the guy that is in red Sharpie right now. He's he's getting a lot of hate.
0: And Jack, it makes sense, though, right, why Brett Beatty would start in the minor leagues. He's a big, burly righty, you know, can't hit right-handed pitching at all, yep. really bad defender, not yep. handsome. So I get why Brett Beatty started in the minor leagues, because Eduardo Escobar, even though, yeah, maybe he can't hit right-handed pitching, even though he sees it. Uh, two-thirds of the time but sometimes you roll with him right because he's been in the league with the Brewers right yes yeah. um so I got Brett I, right right you got him exactly right
2: um yes. I'm I'm googling the Rihanna lyric in pour it <laughs> up um dollar signs all I see is dollar signs yes. that's why Eduardo Escobar is in the lineup like can we acknowledge that so I mean I I understand why they did it like you've got that many millions committed to that guy for this year.
1: I don't know if that's why he's in the lineup. I I really don't.
2: Why do you think he's in the, well, obviously now like Beatty's got a thumb thing going on. So
1: I I just, I don't think that this is a Mets team that that's making decisions based on $10 million of salary when they, you know, just ate 20 million on Cano last year. And they ate all of Cano's McCann's contract to deal him. I think it's more a matter of, could we squeeze a year of service time out of Brett Beatty? Probably. and I think it was, I think it was when they constructed the roster, they decided that they needed Tim LaCastro on it because they have Daniel Vogelback as the DH. They yeah. liked the idea of in the seventh inning when Vogelback draws a walk, they could put LaCastro out there to steal a base. Then you get into a roster crunch. So I think it was a lot of things where, you know, you're you you sign Tommy Pham this offseason, so you need him on the roster. You need your major backup utility infielder. You need a backup catcher. You start to lose roster spots to get a a pinch running specialist and you make when you add it all together, you can say Escobar had a great September. Escobar is a veteran leader. Beatty, if we keep in AAA until June 3rd, we get a year of service time and he hasn't played in AAA yet. You can just kind of talk yourself into it. I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's specifically $10 million for Escobar.
2: Yeah, so it's it's June 3 that is Beatty's cutoff here, and, and he would be a Super 2 candidate, I think. I didn't realize last year he was on the big league IL, but that makes sense because he got hurt at the big league level, so he got 50 days of major league service time in 2022, which is a crazy high number considering he only played 11 games. So June 3 is a long time. Granted, like a thumb issue helps because that thing will nag for a while, and I don't think um, – JPR and CBA, the AAA manager, or is he just like on the coaching staff?
1: I think you might be right about that. I think he is the manager.
2: I know RNCB is on the Syracuse coaching staff. He may be the manager. If he is, then JPR and CBA can say, oh, you know what? Like, let's just keep Beatty out of the lineup for precautionary reasons for a couple of days. Um, my last negative question here before we get to Francisco Alvarez, you know, you you can throw away like the goddamn it were the Mets game, game three in Milwaukee when Garrett Mitchell walked it off seven, six. Um 10-9 in game one or sorry, 10-0 in game one, nine-nothing in game two. So they're outscored 19 to nothing. Game one was Freddie Peralta and Bryce Wilson, and they walked six times. They scattered base runners. Nine nothing. You're shut out by Wade Miley, Peter Strezilecki,
0: uh who else? Holy Milner,
2: and Javi Guerra.
0: Okay. Those are four really good pitchers, though. So you give them a break.
2: How frustrating was that game, Fink?
1: It was bad. It was <laughs> bad. Uh, they were both bad. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're extremely frustrating, and it's you know even more so when it's like so many. You, you see Brian Anderson just just kills the Mets. There's nothing that Mets fans hate more than a former division rival who, who's like on a different team. It looks great. Speaking of handsome, Brian Anderson, huh? Hots. Full I blown hot. Come on. Yeah. yeah, especially in the brew, he looks way better in, in the Brewers' uniform too than that Marlins' uniform. Uh, Jesse Winker had a big series, so it was just uh, yeah. a whole <laughs> bunch of crap for three days for Mets fans. But again, early in the season, I'm not worried yet.
0: Yeah. When do you get worried? Uh, what's, what's what's when is the panic button? Obviously, not yet. You know, we're I'd all probably
1: say the if wars. the Marlins win ten nothing on the home opener, then I start worrying. That's so it is changes. soon. Oh, so it could be soon. soon. It could be soon, you know. Interesting. And then I could come right back around. That's what it's like to be a Mets fan.
0: Interesting, though. I'm surprised it is that soon because we joke around. This team is really good. Verlander's going to come back. Kodai Senga did look good. Yeah. You expect Scherzer to bounce back. Peterson had a rough start against the Brewers, but he's fine. Cookie, I think, is only going to get better, too. And you look at the lineup like Pete Alonso's. Yeah, he has three home runs, but he's not going to be rocking like a. What's his OPS right now? His OPS is. 877 because he's slugging but he's hitting 192 like Lindor is only going to get better too so I guess the reason we're making fun of Mets fans the reason we're making fun of Phillies fans is because the panic button is being pressed too fast so that's why I wanted to see when you actually became nervous because you can't really say that you're nervous if the Mets lose to the Marlins in one game like it's April 7th
1: yeah no I, I honestly I it's you give a team until like June to really like start to panic. If if the Mets are below 500 and we get to June, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think this team's too good. I think that Buck Showalter is going to get that that team rolling at some point very soon. Like I don't, I think that's the difference that having Buck made last year is they never went on a big skid and they could have a bad series, but generally they bounce back and find a way to win the next one. And I'm sure they do that this weekend against the Marlins. I'm sure they win at least two or three. So the
2: Syracuse Mets had a great opening weekend in Worcester. Francisco Alvarez was part of that. Obviously the, the headlines were about Beatty. Um, Beatty goes down. Alvarez though, four games in Syracuse. He's hit a couple of bombs. He's OPSing over a thousand. But the last look on like SNY or national television that the Mets got of Francisco Alvarez was his five games last year when he went two for 12 and spring training, when he went three for 28. Now Narvaez is out for two plus months. This is Alvarez's job. What do you expect from Francisco Alvarez when he does crack the lineup for the Mets? Do you expect growing pains or do you think, Hey, you know what? He kind of went through that already against big league competition. Let's just throw him in and, and he may
0: swim.
1: I think that you know I just did a an emergency episode of my show that I'm in the middle of producing right now. Uh, Sorry for I taking was, you away from that. Uh, oh, it's I okay, love an emergency
0: okay. episode on April six. <laughs> got to,
1: got to Alvarez, got man. Wait till you see oh, the numbers. True. You'll see why I did it. Uh, yeah. But look, I, I was hyped on that show, but I also said at the same time, like. You know, this is not Alvarez earning his promotion to the big leagues. Like he was in triple A for a reason. We were in spring training. I had a lot of complaints about guys not making the team. I was talking about Beatty and Vientos. I was not talking about Francisco Alvarez. He needed that seasoning. At the same time, with a player this talented getting this big of a leeway, you think that the talent might just arrive early a little bit here. Uh, my expectation for Francisco Alvarez is to run into some home runs, but he's going to strike out a little bit more than he probably does in the minor leagues, and there's going to be growing pains for sure. I think that it's you know going to be exciting to see him in the lineup for the home opener. I hope they do that, and I feel like he's the type of kid that could thrive. Um, in, in that more of a healthy landing spot than what we saw last year. What the mess did to him last year was like malfeasance, like yeah. they complete it was horrible. You, his season's over. He's driving home after a great season where he finished in a triple gets a call to go join the Mets in the middle of a pennant race that had spanned for months in the biggest series of the year in Atlanta against one of the toughest pitching stats in baseball to face. Like Alvarez comes up against Rizelli Glacius in the eighth inning or, you know, with (laughs) just so much pressure on him. Now he's facing the Marlins in a home ballpark that's ready to fall in love with him, I think he's got a much better chance to succeed this time than he did last time. But he's still arriving earlier than we expected.
0: I have a question for you, too, about Francisco Alvarez because I'm not very concerned about the bat, right? It might take a little while to get going, but he has such a special bat, and he's going to run into home runs that, at worst, he's a league average catcher offensively this year. I think at worst because he has so much upside to be one of the better catchers in baseball, at least offensively. My concern, and we talked about this when we did our season previews of the National League East, and it's an older staff, right? You got the two Hall of Famers at the top. You got Kodai Senga making the transition from the MPB. You have Cookie Carrasco, who's been in the league a very long time, and David Peterson, who's trying to then transition to the rotation after multiple years in the bullpen. Do you think a young catcher like that who they originally brought up to DH in that, you know, cup of coffee that he had in the bigs. Do you think he can shoulder the load of catching 5 6 days a week? That's where my concern comes in because it's one thing to be a little bit, you know, down defensively and it's another thing for that to impact the pitching staff right so that's where my concern is I'm curious your concern level of him defensively because I'm not really concerned offensively I think he's going to hit regardless
1: I think that it's going to be a pretty healthy split to start out with him and Nito I think they're not going to just throw him to the wolves I think he's going to get some time at DH it's going to help that a little bit you know I think another big thing is not the pitchers can use the pitch com. I think that helps him too like Max Scherzer is calling his own game so you know Alvarez can go back and catch him and Obviously, on the frame pitches, but he doesn't have to worry about that aspect of it. Takes some of the thought out for him, which I think helps. I would imagine that Tomas Nito is going to catch all of Kodai Senga's starts because he already mm-hmm. caught the first one, and I think that they're going to let him build that rapport with Nito. And I do think that Nito's still going to get behind the plate two to three times a week. I think Alvarez catches a couple, DH is a couple, and you know he starts. When he starts catching five times a week, it's because the bat is that undeniable. That it just makes them that much better as a team that you deal with maybe a little bit of a loss on the defensive side.
2: Yeah, so my thought there is, you know, you can hedge an inexperienced catcher with an experienced starting rotation and experienced relievers. And, and the Mets really have nobody that is newly thrown into the fire except Sanga, which is why it makes a lot of sense for Nito, who is an experienced guy, to catch Sanga. But I... I've got minimal concerns with Scherzer or Carrasco, even a guy like McGill or even David Peterson, who's figured out his way in Major League Baseball, throwing to Alvarez. The problem that you run into is if you've got young catcher, young arm, then nobody knows what the fuck's going on. But that's not really the case.
0: But here was my kind of concern, though, because to your point, yes, they are you know, veterans. They've been there before. Scherzer, I think, has been pitching since I was born. But new rules, right? pitch clock, pitch calm, a lot of new stuff. Yeah. So but they're also my... adjusting to new rules while he's then adjusting and already not good defensively. That was my biggest concern with Alvarez. But again, go ahead, Fink.
1: I was just going to say, the thing is Alvarez played in those rules last year in the minors. You know? so great point. He's got some experience with it. And, uh, you know, I think the one thing is wondering about how he's going to control the running game, that that's becoming a little more apparent and early, early returns, but he threw out three of five uh, to start a season in Syracuse. So, I think he's been working really hard on the defense because he knew that was the obstacle to get to the big leagues. So I don't I don't think that he's going to be some just disaster behind the plate. Is he going to be above average? I think that might be you know, a little bit early to expect him to be that, but can he be passable back there? I think so, and it's really going to come down to the obvious question. Is he going to hit right now?
0: I have one last question, um, and maybe I might spark a couple more after Jack gives uh, his last question. What's been the most surprising thing, right? Because we make fun of the Mets in this episode, and we're talking about some guys with some negative war totals to start the year. Who has been the guy who you watch and say, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah, we probably expected Eduardo Escobar to struggle, right? We expected Tomas Nito to not hit. But who are some guys who have struggled so far? And maybe, you know, Lindor is a guy. Point zero war or something like that. Like, who's the Player or scenario where you say, "Man, I just did not see that coming coming into the year so far."
1: It was the Max Scherzer start against the Brewers. I mean, you know, I, I was there for the first one on Opening Day, and like he gave up a homer to Solaire, but overall he was sharp throughout that game. To see him, I mean, he got homered on three times in a row, Max Scherzer. So that was, I guess, the biggest one for me. Other than that, I mean, you know, you could say like a Jeff McNeil struggling, but we've seen him at times struggle and it's so early. Like I give a lot of hitters some leeway at the start of a season to, to judge them too quickly. Um, I'm surprised Tommy fam swung it. Well, That's awesome. (laughs) I'm surprised about that, but uh, I was,
0: I was thinking that the Tommy sham nickname was going to come very quickly, but he's actually been pretty good. I like the answer about Scherzer too, because he is an older pitcher. You don't expect that early on. Right. I could see it's September, right? He's thrown 160 innings to this point, and his velocity dropped. And you're like, "All right, we got to rest him up for the postseason." Now he's struggling. That makes sense. But after a full off season, it's not like he played in the World Baseball Classic or anything. It's not like they were overextending him in spring training. It's Max Scherzer. You're supposed to deliver opening day.
1: Yeah. No, it's. It was. It was. Uh, you know couple of rough starts for him. So we'll, we'll see. The other thing, too, is watching Cookie's velocity dip, like, well below 90% for a good part of his last start. That's another thing that you're you're at 36 years old and a velo dip like that, something you're going to be paying attention to.
2: Yeah. So last one for me, I know that in the NBA, we look at league fits a lot, like what guys roll up, roll up to the, the venue in. Um, and there are, like, Instagram accounts dedicated to that, like league fits, everything like that. Francisco Alvarez is going to push the boundaries when it comes to league fits rolling up to city field. So I ask you to, to grade this fashion sense where he's got red polo, torn jeans, and the over the shoulder, like satchel type thing. Um, common look, he's kind of drippy. So if you could just give me a rating of Alvarez's fashion sense
0: one through 10.
1: It honestly looked like he has one leg in that picture. Did anyone else notice does, that? Yeah. I,
0: I don't understand ripped jeans. Yeah, I don't understand. That. I've never understood
2: that look ever. Hey, what's the common thing? Like, why are you paying more for less fabric?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I love um, that joke because it makes sense. It's it like, why? It doesn't look good. It's like, oh, look at me. My clothes are broken.
2: Who Does Lindor has some good
1: fits too? Yeah. Lindor I bet he doesn't wear ripped jeans. Head. I think Escobar sometimes shows up pretty flashy in some of these games. There's a couple of guys and, and obviously Pete Alonzo. I mean, always, you know, fit King. That was a crazy fit that he had on
2: opening day. Um, Starling Marte too. totally forgot about Starling Marte.
1: Best chain in the game. Mickey Mouse, That the, the a necklace that must be like a hundred grand. Easy. But-
0: That's how good the Mets season is going right now. We're talking about their pregame fits when they go into the game and strike out three times.
2: You know what? I am going to watch the hell out of Trevor Rogers and Kodai Senga at 410 on Saturday. That's going to be a really fun game to watch in New York. And if
0: you guys don't hit Trevor Rogers, I can understand pressing the panic button because he is giving up bomb after bomb coming over from last year. I really think that he is a good pitcher. At least he has good stuff. But again, Mets struggle off lefties.
1: They didn't the lose. first time out against Rogers, but you know. Good point.
0: good point. We'll see. But Fink, really appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you for uh, coming into the hot stove and not making moves, but a hot stove in terms of it's boiling in Queens, but they'll be fine. We all know they'll be fine. And to all the Mets fans listening who are now super pissed at Jack and I for reaming our guy Ryan, it's all in good fun. But sometimes he deserved to get reamed. And for some reason, Fink, you are the poster boy for Mets with the Mets flag in your background, the LFGM shirt on, and the Rubble Ponies hat. So I appreciate you.
1: Yep, of course, guys. Anytime.
0: And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Make sure to get your Just Baseball merch in the episode description. It is the best way to support this podcast. Um, Check out all the different podcasts on the Just Baseball Network in the link tree below. I don't really know if we have anything else to plug other than make sure to check out the Twitch stream from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern every single weekday where we go over all the games and give you the best bets. And if you want to make some bets, make sure to use the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. And for all new users, if you wager $10 on any MLB game, you will get $200 instantly. And with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.